Hello, and welcome to the Let's Talk Transformation podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking about diversity and inclusion and sustainable transformation. I'm delighted to welcome Lame Ver, Head of Strategy, Innovation and Sustainability at SSE PLC and co-founder of Lean In Equity and Sustainability. Lame, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Susie. I'm happy to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. So Lame, co-founder and co-chair of the Lean In Equity and Sustainability Circle, you have over 22 years of experience working across the energy industry value chain, but also whilst actively and intentionally developing women and pioneering DE&I to create something more sustainable and more impactful, which is a quest we share, and that's where we met. I know diversity is key for you, but as we both know, we cannot reap the benefits of this diversity without creating the conditions for inclusion. So let's start there. What, for you, are the conditions for building inclusive environments? Thank you very much. So I think the way I see it is, you know, a lot of organizations have uh, invested a lot in unconscious bias training, which on one hand, it's good to be aware of those things. But what has not come through is taking those knowledge of unconscious bias and moving towards conscious inclusion. Hmm. What I mean by that is, taking action and being proactive in how we address the lack of inclusion thereof within organizations. So being mindful and intentional in how a, we structure our teams, how we recruit, how we you know, retain, train, promote, and make opportunities available and transparent to uh, individuals. So for example, right, so one of the, examples we kind of share is as we move into a hybrid work Mm. space for the future, using traditional HR performance management policies and tools may not be adequate because what I would do is that a lot of it was also based on presentism. And if the statistics are right, that more women may opt for hybrid roles, then that means that they will fall short of some of those performance uh, metrics that were designed for in-office culture Mm. and so being proactive in changing policies and um, structures that really takes away the human element so you know those phrases around is a policy but subject to managers discretion also starts to bring in bias ultimately Mm. depends on what that relationship looks like and if there is an affinity bias for some and none for others It means that the interpretation and the application of those policies will be subjective. And so those little actions really start to create a more fair and just workplace. Mm. And as a leader, you have the onus to also influence your spaces. So in terms of making sure that everyone on your team has a voice, not everyone will be quick to put up their hand to respond or share their ideas. But when you invite them into the conversation, People are quite happy to share. Yeah. Sometimes they hold themselves back. So being an inclusive leader means that we're paying attention to who is speaking, who is not mm. speaking, mm. and showing up and who is not showing up, and also allowing for things to be done in a way that meets the new way of working. So rather than having team building events, for example, in the evenings or on the weekend, you can have a team building breakfast, you can have a team building lunch. Right, something that really keeps team building within the workday so that those who have caring roles, be it male or female, don't have to feel the pressure to sacrifice personal time for team mm. building activities, right? Mm. So 
It's mm. just, you know, finding new ways, being creative mm. and innovative in the approach of how we manage the workforce of the future. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hearing three things. I'm hearing the move from reflection and intention to actual action. I'm hearing policing the system or regularly checking the system for bias that becomes inherent in the, pro- the policies and the processes and the tools that are used. And then I'm hearing a block on inclusive leadership and looking at, you know, how we can include people in everyday activities, uh, making sure they all have a voice, but also how we can make sure that the actual workplace in its new, more hybrid form is not holding latent bias uh, and checking that as a leader, we are being as equitable as possible when we when we look at performance management and just everyday team activities. Correct. Mm. What for you, that's four quite big blocks or three or four blocks. What are the biggest challenges that you see today in organisations? Is it more around the systems and policies or the leadership or just the moving to conscious inclusion in terms of action? I think it's the latter. You know, moving to that conscious inclusion means that you have to stop yourself in the track and change fundamentally the way you would normally mm. do something. Mm. Uh, one of the biggest things we hear in the workplace is we've always done it this way. Yeah, exactly. So that change in behavior, change in culture, is a fundamental shift from how we've always done it. And so it might be uncomfortable for some mm. people and for some organizations. And that's where, you know, it's, a decision that has to be made at the top and mm. driven down the organization as part of the new culture that we are imbibing. And what that does is once you change culture and the way you do things, people will self-select, right? Yeah. So those yeah. who fit into the new culture will stay and those who don't want to change will remove themselves from that environment. And so it will cleanse itself out in time. But of course, the adoption is painful like any transformation it is a painful transformation and you've got to be patient with it and not kind of rush it. So we always say, you know, it's better to take one diversity and inclusion dimension and be good at that mm. rather than trying to do it all. Mm. You know, so if, for example, you want to start with the HR policies, then just take that, go through everything, fix that, make sure it's working mm. before you on another you know, initiative. Because sometimes we run the risk of trying to do it all at the same time. And it's, you know, it's if it's not somebody's day job and it's part yeah. of, you know, it takes, mm. you know, people reprioritize, right, depending on what's on the plate. So mm. it's taking one thing at a time, doing mm. it or being good at it and then moving on to the next. And so it's, um, yeah, it's a fundamental shift in approach, right? So we're talking about leadership with kindness, leadership with empathy. And if you lead from those spaces, you will be well on your way to creating an inclusive workforce because, now you'll be thinking about others and putting yourself in their shoes and making sure that um, you know you can uh, create that uh, culture. They say if you build it, they will come, right? Mm, absolutely. And essentially, for me, you're talking about you know changing habits, one habit at a time, if you like, which creates sustainable change. And I think it's interesting to look at sustainability. You know, your leaning circle around equity and sustainability, um, of which I'm part, of course, but you're looking at gender parity and sustainability. Can you explain this link to our listeners? So gender parity and sustainability for me go hand in hand because Mm. if women make up 50% of the population and we're 
in an existential crisis of climate change, how do we want to create a solution with only half of the team? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So no winning coach or manager selects from half his team. So they select from the whole squad and pick the best players for that game. Mm. And that's what we're really trying to push here is look at the entire population so that we have the right people across the table designing the solutions for the future. You know, so for those who are left-handed, right, they struggle in a right-handed world because scissors is a problem. But because majority are right-handed, no one thinks that we should actually make more left-handed things. I mean, there are a few, you know, we have left-handed golf clubs, and but they are not as commonplace because mm. it's the majority who is uh, designing for that. So when we don't have gender parity at the table of solution, it means that we're only solving half the problem and only for half the population, right? So mm. it really, for me, is a critical um, point that needs to be addressed because also we'll be creating solutions that are not fit for purpose, right? And it's the same, not just on the gender space, but even when you look at the global, the world as it stands today, if you're using solutions designed by the global north to try and solve the problems in the global south, yeah. That they don't tend to work, whereas mm. we for localized solutions that work for the local people and they are part of that design. Mm. A, the adoption is quicker, and B, you have a more sustainable solution that goes beyond um, you know generations. So the cut and paste approach definitely is not something we advocate. We believe we need global solutions but localized impl- uh, implementation so that it is fit for purpose mm. and meeting the people where they're at rather than the other way around and I think that's so important isn't it back to conscious inclusion but also intentionally designing and I think whether we're talking about society or communities or a team or organizations meeting people where they're at is really important and before the show, we were chatting around the bottom line and, and the triple bottom line. Can you take us through the triple bottom line and how we can help create sustainable change through that with the, with the lens of conscious inclusion? Well, I think, you know, there it's around before now, it was really about meeting the shareholders value, right? Mm. The, you know, the mandate for organization for what the triple bottom line is now saying it's not just about the shareholders, it's about your people, it's about your community. Mm. It's really looking at all the dimensions of the existence of an organization and the touch points that you you you, you kind of create yeah. from your operations and making sure that all of those elements are included mm. in your strategy, in your plans. And, you know, the S in ESG is becoming yeah. more and more amplified, right, on the mm. back. COVID and just transition and all of these uh, good things that are being pushed through the society. Of course, we also have geopolitical uh, challenges that kind of, of get away. But that said, right, we shouldn't lose sight of what we're trying to achieve with all of these things that we are pushing along. Because if we lose the the sense of urgency, then there is the chance of falling back to the old ways, which is something that nobody wants us to go back to. So. It's really important that we keep that at the forefront of mm. the activities that we're doing, the plans that we're making. So it's about the people, it's about the planet, and it's about profit. Mm. So that's kind of like the triple bottom line there. Yeah. Mm. And and how can I mean if I take the you know the sustainable development goal number eight, where it says to promote sustained, inclusive, and sustainable economic growth, 
full and productive employment and decent work for all. So how can we as leaders of organisations or leaders of communities enable this? So one of the shortcuts where is to make sure that, you know, the economies or the societies where we're working, that we're actively also employing from there, but also creating programs within our organizations that gives them that access. So when you hire for qualification, you already reduce your pool from mm. the efficient pool. But if you're hiring for talent and for skills and for competencies and even attitude Mm. then you see that you expand you know your fishing pool and so really I think you know SDG number eight is really about making the door bigger (laughs) (laughs) I like that idea you know that's the way I kind of just simplify Mm. it is about making the door bigger so that more people can have access or at least then know what the opportunity is, then they can self-select out of it if it's not the right one. The challenge we have now when it comes to decent work and economic growth is the opportunities are few and far between Mm. and finding or democratizing that access to information and opportunities is something that we're really big on in uh, at leaning equity and sustainability because if you don't you don't know what you don't know absolutely somebody mm-hmm. is able to point you in the right direction at least give you signposts to where the opportunities are then it expands expands your frame of reference mm-hmm. that allows you to also see beyond you know the limitations that you may have set for yourself right it expands mm-hmm. your the out of the possible and you start to see opportunities that you didn't even realize were there right so it's kind of Mm. put things in your consciousness like when you're looking to buy a car and you're talking to a friend about or somebody mentions a specific car and then suddenly you're seeing it everywhere yeah like because we're not there before but now that you're conscious and you're paying attention to it you just start to see it right so um so that's really about what we want to kind of do with that sdg number eight Mm democratizing that access so that people can see the out of the possible and what type of activities and things do you do to I love that analogy of to make that door bigger how do you help people get there so for our kind of activities because we're a non-profit and 100% volunteer led so we're relying on the benevolence of people and bandwidth and being able to support us but what we really do and we do really well is the partnership and collaboration because mm-hmm. that for me is the key to unlocking access to a wider pool of people, getting the mm-hmm. message farther and wider, and also amplifying the advocacy. So we do you know online webinars, we do launch and learns, we do workshops, we do train the leader, we do diversity and inclusion um, uh, strategy and implementation. But the idea is to just walk hand in hand with a the individuals. So empowering women is the first step of our kind of uh, reason for being is really about empowering women. But there is no point empowering women if the opportunities are not there. Absolutely. And back into the workplace and then their leader doesn't know how to lead them because they change fundamentally, right? So mm. it's also supporting the leaders to be able to lead and become that conscious, inclusive leader. Mm making sure that um, members of their teams are feeling included, they feel like they belong, and so that they can thrive. And so Mm. it's all about that collaboration piece, the partnership, but then the amplification of the messaging, making sure that, you know, we leave no woman behind. Therefore, we always say each one brings one. And Mm. 
you know, you and I can find them all, but if we impact one person, they go off and impact somebody else. So we create a network effect and leveraging that to get to a much wider audience and hopefully, you know, create the accelerate the pace of change. Because the change is coming, it's happening, but it's just really, really slow. <laughs> I know. And I think that can be frustrating in itself, but it doesn't mean we should stop doing what we're Probably doing. Not. We carry on, we keep pushing, yeah. Yeah, and I think, so, like you say, we don't know what we don't know, and we need to try out things and experiment with how we can widen doors and create democratised access to things, but how can we measure not only inclusion, but also inclusive growth? I think inclusive growth, you will see that in your bottom line, right? So yeah. the activity will increase. And if you take off your employees, they will take off your customers, which means they have a better customer experience. And then they come back and that increases revenue. Mm. You reduce the revolving door of uh, talent coming in and leaving your organization because there is a cost to recruitment, which many organizations don't quantify and measure. But when you don't have to recruit for a role every six to nine months because they are kind of just coming and leaving, Passive in there, you just have a better work engage, um, better engagement from your employees, and you have better delivery of service. And so it has knock-on effect in itself. You know, it might look mm. like it's a simple thing, but when you add it up, it, it really starts to create transformational change within an organization because you start even the way people talk about the organization changes, right? Yeah. And that itself is good for employer brand. Mm. So you want that brand that people just want to work for because it just has a good vibe and everybody who works there, you know, talks about it in a very positive tone. And so, you you know, they have nothing to lose as an organization. I think there's more to gain. Mm. But it's about bridging that gap, isn't it? Because what you see on a website and what you experience when you get into the culture are often two very different things. So, you know, I mean, how do you go about advising organizations and individual leaders on bridging that gap? No, I think when it comes to that leadership or transformational leadership character, right, you've got to walk mm. and talk to talk. So there's no point having fancy words on your website or your policies. And then in action, it doesn't manifest. Mm. And so you've got to lead by example as a leader to make sure that you, the rest of the organization, you model the way. And mm. then they can, you know, emulate and have that inspiration. So it's really up to the leader to design the kind of culture of the future that he or she wants, and then actively leading by example. You've got to lead by example. You cannot say one thing and then do, you know, do another. So it's really you have to be credible, right? Mm. Credible, mm. and trust. And I think it's also about not being a bystander, isn't it? Whether, you know, whoever you are, if you're seeing something that you think should be called out that is inappropriate, that is not linked to what you've heard or seen or expected, then really we should be calling out these different behaviours, shouldn't we? Yes, we should. And that's where we kind of come into the space of psychological safety, right? Yeah. So yeah. if the organisation is one that punishes Right, mm. people are not going to speak up. People are not going to call anything out. But if it's an organization that actually welcomes feedback and takes some feedback and implements changes based on feed- feedback, then people are more inclined to call out behaviors. Because if you think about it, there are so many things that happen below the radar yeah. of CEO of, or of senior leader. And so, mm. what you hope as a senior leader is that those things are happening 
below your radar, they are not dangerous to harm the organization if they are not being brought to your attention, right? So you want mm-hmm. people to be able to nip things at the board and doesn't kind of fester on into a, into a, a, a worse situation. So it's important that you create that psychological safety. You empower people to know what they can deal with and what they need to escalate. Because mm-hmm. if people are afraid to escalate, then what you find is that, you know, you have a very dangerous situation underneath. You know, you're literally sitting on a time bomb. Yeah. And that- can create a very toxic work environment. It creates mm. burnout. It reduces productivity, and what have you. So all of those mm. things uh, adds up. So it's good to lead by example. And uh, you know, you and I were talking about that in one of our conversations. Sometimes it's good to also go walk the gamba. Yeah, <laughs> walk the gamba in a way that you don't also leave a carnage. Right. Mm. Something. You mm. know, the CEO shows up on the shop front and then the rest of the day is disastrous for everybody because it's set off a panic or some kind of anxiety. So you want to also walk the gamba but leaving people, you know, better than you let you met them rather than uh, leaving a carnage of chaos behind you because, you know, of they're afraid of you, right? Because it comes from a place of fear. Yeah. So it's the same discussion, isn't it? It's creating the conditions for people to be able to express themselves that will give you a successful gamble walk and not yeah. necessarily just going down saying, I know what's happening because I've been and looked at the, and spoken with operational people. If they're not telling you what they think or what's happening, then you may as well not, not have gone. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So that's really how I, um, how we see it. And so we're quite collegiate in leaning equity and sustainability because it's also about carrying people along, right? So yeah, if you want diversity of thoughts, you have to listen to people. You have to carry them along. You have to hear them when yep. they speak. And you know, you may not always have to agree with everything, but listening also gives you different points of view. Mm. And even when it comes to diversity and inclusion, it's not one size fits all. Absolutely right? not. Cannot mm. implement structures and strategies that we're using in the UK for a French company in mm. France. Mm. Might be for the French subsidiary in the UK, yeah. but might be different in France because they also have their cultural nuances that you might of want course. to make sure that you don't lose, which is why HR normally is a very localized function. Mm. All of those uh, nuances, and therefore, I'm not sure why people have put the and I at a corporate level rather than right down to the uh, to the business unit because you've got your culture, you've got your operational needs, and. You've also got the society where you exist and you have to incorporate all of that. Mm. I mean, but you can have a global approach, can't you, I suppose? And then yeah, not to set the strategy, mm. you know, of roadmap where I'm saying thinking global about acting local is kind of the way we see it and define it because yeah. you know what works for one, even the same organization, you might have to tweak your global approach to absolutely, make, you know. Mm. If all of your manufacturing is in Taiwan and you have yeah. to be in a in a corporate office, right? Your working from home policy globally might not mm. be, you know, adequate for the manufacturing business unit in Taiwan, but you might then choose to adjust the um the um, what do they call it? The rotation, right? So mm. maybe they were doing 12-hour shifts, adjust the shift to from 12 hours to eight hours because you want them to have a better quality of work-life balance, you know. So you have to still meet the business need, or you can still be inclusive to make sure that they benefit from the global policies as well, right? So that, yeah. you know, it doesn't feel like it's only those in uh, 
corporate HQ that seems to have all these. these. <laughs> the ivory tower. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the ivory tower people. So mm. you want to make sure that uh, whatever policies we're setting or roadmap we're setting at the global level mm. is implementable locally based on that business needs and based on the people who are also there. Mm. And I think that's why for me, conscious inclusion and understanding human reactions to change and mental models is a fundamental block of sustainable transformation business transformation because otherwise you can't take people with you can you no and to take people you know let's say if you're leading and no one's following then it's not (laughs) a pretty lonely place (laughs) (laughs) so you want to be able to seriously take people along with you i would hope that most leaders are you know being followed or you know and sometimes you also have people playing you know the emperor has no clothes scenario and you don't know Nobody wants to be in that situation. So as a leader, you need to have trusted advisors around you. You need to have your own personal board of directors alongside, you know, the board of directors of the organization, the people who will hold the mirror yeah. up to you and tell you the truth and coach you through, you know, key business challenges because there will be those key business challenges and people, you know, every leader or CEO said, you know, it's lonely at the top because people who used to come around stop coming around and whether it's by choice or design because you you know hmm. you, you took the elevator up and you never came back down and so they lost <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah you've got to um yeah be mindful of isolating yourself as a leader so that people can uh, tell you the truth and mm. also mm. you know those things happening underneath your radar if it's going to be you know you want somebody to be able to pick up the call and tell you you know this thing is coming right mm. give you that heads up and but if everyone's afraid and the first you hear about it is in a press release you know that's really damaging and and no leader wants to be in that kind of surprise mm. that's your team will keep you up to date on everything that's going on that is relevant at least for your level of attention but not you know, don't get too high up and then nobody tells them anything and then some are too deep in the detail that they don't have time for the strategy. So you've got to strike a balance between, you know, that 10,000 view, but also being approachable. Yeah, and, and making sure that you understand what's happening on the ground. Yeah. I know you've worked on this in lots of organisations, different communities, different cultures. What What's your biggest success story so far and what made it successful? When it comes to diversity and inclusion. Yeah, creating sort of sustainable inclusion. Yeah, so I think for us, and we've actually just done the survey, is just hearing those testimonials. So because we work with individuals, so that's our first point of engagement, mm. is empowering the individual and giving them those uh, tools and strategies to navigate. And the t- testimonials that are coming back is how, you know, those who've gone off to change roles and taking on that big project, able to renegotiate their contract, mm. saying no to something that, you know, actually it's not going to save me, right? Exercising that power of choice has been really important for us to putting women back into the driver's seat of their lives and their career to make sure that they are making decisions that are right for them, for their family structure or whatever. But it is about you and that power of choice it became even more apparent as we started this journey, which is where we start with the individual, making sure that she's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, she's okay. She's got what she needs. And then we go to the organization to say, okay, this, you know, we, you now need to build it so that they will come because mm. she's not going to hang around. 
because she knows what she's about. She knows what she brings to the table. And so you as the organization, you know, I mean, every organization right now is going through the great resignation, right? So there's going to be the battle for talent. <clears throat> and you will hope that your organization will be one that people would like to come and work for. And if you do not have the right talent and people are coming in and out of your organization like a revolving door, that there is a cause, there is a damage, there's a reputational you know, you want people to come to your organization and stay because they're mm-hmm. happy, they're thriving, they're delivering value, they're growing, they're stretched, and they feel like they belong. Mm-hmm. And what would your recommendation be, therefore, to people, leaders or people working in an organization looking to merge their system and looking to take some more responsibility for driving this change in their environment? I think, you know, the first things first is the intention, right? What mm. is the intention behind what you're trying to do? Because you'll be found out, right? So if it's a think box <laughs> exercise, <laughs> mm. you'll be found out. So first of all, having the right intention, the right and clear intention, and make sure you communicate that as well, up and down your leadership structures, all the way down to the cleaner, right? Mm. One, the person cleaning the office saying, you know, what, what are you doing? And I'm helping to put someone on the moon. Yeah. So they could connect with the purpose, with that ultimate goal. Yes, I'm not in the spaceship. I'm not in science, but I'm keeping this environment clean so that when the scientists come tomorrow morning, they feel they can, you know, they can walk in a, in a safe, clean environment and not have to worry about the, you know, the environment not being conducive. And so, that intention, the purpose should really be communicated across from top to down, that everybody understands what we're trying to do, that everybody can connect to what we're trying to do, because there's another thing to understand it. You know, I get it, but I don't agree with it. And therefore, I'm not going to do anything, right? So you want to be wary of sabotage because people will sabotage. They might mm. say, yes, 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 and take zero action. They mm. might sabotage your plan or... Yes, 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 and do the exact opposite, right? So mm. there are many ways to sabotage a project by doing nothing and let the time lapse or by, you know, intentionally doing something in the opposite direction because that's the agenda you want to serve. Yeah. And so recognizing that we all have different agendas, different drivers, but we're all aligned in the direction of travel, then that is the first step, right? Because then mm. we can move in tandem. You don't want people rowing forward and others rowing backwards. So, you know, so those type of things becomes uh, quite conflicting. So once you've got that, communicating that down through the entire organization, and then you have to lead by action. Mm. So you've now done it. The intention is clear. You've communicated it, but then your action is in the direct opposite. Mm. Where does that leave? You know, so that itself doesn't they uh, grow trust or people to believe what you say or what you want to do and so leading by example and then also recognizing that we will get it wrong yeah that's a difficult one for people though isn't it because they don't they're scared of saying the wrong thing in this context or they're scared of getting it wrong you know recognizing that we will get it wrong will make mistake Mm. that we are also open to learning and learn and relearning <laughs> mm, yeah <laughs> that familiar yeah, process exactly so but once we have that growth mindset that you know failure is a good thing mm. the mistake is not a bad thing I made a mistake and I learned from it and this is what I learned from it and this is how it's changing my behavior tomorrow then that is growth it's mm. not failure 
right? So you want to fail and fail fast, but also take the learnings and use that as the building block to, you know, to growth and uh, making sure that when we make a mistake, we own it, we own up to it, we fix it and we apologize and we move on. But, you know, the head in the sand approach isn't going to cut it because whether we like it or not, and I was in another conversation earlier on, the S in ESG is here to stay. Yeah. So if you're looking for a contract, you've got to, you know, measure yourself against you know, whatever dimensions that um, organization wants you to measure yourself against. And if you have nothing to say, hmm. criteria, you score zero. And we think that your bid value is very low. And so by the time you start losing business and losing work because you're not scoring high enough, on some of those dimensions, you know, you will wake up, right? So mm. it's part of your license to operate. Mm. Mm. So you've you just, I always like to call it getting more comfortable with being uncomfortable because being bold is never comfortable. But I think, you know, stepping out there, I mean, failure is how we learn, isn't it? Yeah. So thank you so much, Lani. Would you have one final word for our listeners on this? Um, I think for me is really just choose something today, one change, right? Because mm. when people think about change and in a big way, it can be overwhelming, right? So mm. don't try to eat the elephant. Pick mm. something, one thing, and just do that consistently. Mm. Make that one change. Mm. And then when it becomes a habit, you pick another one. Mm. And that's really what I would say to each individual because you and I, I also on this journey, I mean, we're looking at some work the other day and we were being conscious of language because somebody yeah. said that language is not inclusive. Yeah. And we walk in this space and we still made the mistake. Of course. It, right. So mm. not get it all right all at the same time, but being supportive of each other mm. and, you know, being each other's ally and making sure that, you know, we're keeping an eye out for opportunities and areas of growth and development. And, you know, if something, if I'm doing something wrong, I would hope that you will hold the mirror to me and, you know, that we yeah. you know, play that um, allyship with each other and coach each other. Peer-to-peer coaching is one of the things that we do, is making sure that people have access to others on the same journey or at least similar journey so that you can, um, you, it's not a lonely walk, mm. a lonely yeah. space. And so that peer-to-peer, I think, is really probably the biggest piece and the biggest value proposition because when you know that you're not alone you know there's strength in numbers right so absolutely you're quite empowered already mm. there is a challenge or I have a question that I can't really figure out the answer I've got this access to uh, my uh, personal board of directors and peer network <laughs> yeah Soon somebody is going to say, oh, yeah, I had that same challenge and this is how I approached it. And then you can take two or three viewpoints mm. and then make an informed decision on how you want to address the challenge. But when you're kind of stuck in your own head and <laughs> to walk it through all by mm. yourself, it is lonely, it is tiring, that's what leads to burnout. Yeah, the learnings and the sharing, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Let me thank you so much for giving up your time and for coming and sharing your thoughts and your experience. Where can people find out more about you and what you do? So we've leveraged LinkedIn a lot when we started as an organic um, organization last year. So we've got a LinkedIn page called Leaning Equity and Sustainability. 
and through there we push out content and information and all of our events are publicized and published on the LinkedIn uh, page of Leaning Equity and Sustainability. But you can also find we've got a group also on LinkedIn if you want to kind of have more engagement and interaction with uh, with people and find people easily. You know, you can find them with the group and it's the same name, but it's just a group. We do have a circle page on the Leaning Org website. So if you put in Leaning Equity and Sustainability, you can find our circle and you can uh, register to join to join the circle from there as well. So we've created different avenues and touch points and we want people to self-select in the best work for them rather than, um, you know, kind of that push-push approach so that people can also, you know, figure out how they want to communicate and stay in touch with the organisation. So we prefer that, uh, the spirit of self-selection. <laughs> okay, excellent. So I'll leave our listeners to go and check out the pages on LinkedIn and get in touch with you that way. Yeah. Thank you, Lamy. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed this episode and the insights it brought you. And it's bye from me for now, and I'll see you soon for the next episode of Let's Talk Transformation. <laughs>